0: The reading is from Isaiah, chapter 58, verses 1 to 12, and it's called True Fasting. Shout it aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion and to the house of Jacob their sins. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting... You do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarrelling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for a man to humble himself? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying on sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter? Will you see the naked to clothe him and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rearguard. Then you will call. And the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls. Restorer of streets with dwellings. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Ah, 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 ah! There's a little button there which says mute. God dear, what it is to have people who know what they're doing round about the face. It's wonderful, isn't it? It really is. Could you? Do I have to repeat all that, or did you get what I said? Yes. Ah, thank you, Andy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they then the Church Times also asked a group of young people what they understood about the term Lent. There were some unexpected definitions. One was Christians being on a diet before important holidays. And then another one was, uh, the season is marked by the Western church adopting the liturgical color of purple or deep red, though any suggestion this is the origin of the name of the 70s progressive rock group, group, deep purple is purely speculative. And then someone said, I should know, but to my shame I don't. And then this is the one which I think is one of the best of all. What is Lent? Is how the EU is keeping Greece afloat. <laughs> I thought that was rather good. And then someone said it's a, a tropical fish. <laughs> There's also a line here, which, which just came out of the Church Times. In the Novi United Methodist Church in Michigan in the United States, it is announced drive-through ashes, 7.30 a.m. to 9 a.m., no need to get out of the car. John Wesley said... No, he didn't say that. I just put those up there. John Wesley said, there are many men who take pleasure from knowing God's will and word, and yet do not conform their lives to it. The Lord, and then someone else said, the Lord thus speaks to the prophet, willing him to use all diligence uh, and severity to rebuke the hypocrites. This is what the background to Isaiah 58. Now one of the things we've got to realize when we read Isaiah 58, there are two words, there's fasting and justice, but there's also... The fact that it wasn't talking to them out there, it was talking to them in here. It was talking to us, and what is our worship, what is it like. They had to memorize the proper forms and the psalms to be sung, and were happy when they saw others enjoying their religion and piety, yet in their very exercise of religion they missed the essential point, God's order of compassionate justice. That's something which is very important because that's what this passage is all about. And I've got a, another quote which comes from Dietrich Bonhoeffer and um, I think it's an important one because it helps us to understand something which is important. Cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance. Baptism without discipline. Communion without confession. Absolution without personal confession and cheap grace is a grace without discipleship grace without the cross grace without Jesus Christ living and incarnate that's something for us to grasp hold of that's what we've got to look for all the time in what we do and what we say do we allow Jesus to search our hearts I sometimes think oh, I don't like Lent because it means I've got to do something about my life I've got to do something about me not everyone else, but about me I think that's a, a theme I want to follow through and do we allow God to search our heart? have I always exhibited that perfect love towards my neighbor or my enemy? the person that I hate do I still love them? do I care for them? what about my neighbor? do I do acts of kindness for them? In these times when I've failed to give God my, all my heart, mind, soul, and strength. Have I preached the gospel to the ends of the earth? Have I challenged people with the words of the gospel? Have there been times when I've failed at living in Christian community and fellowship? Have there been times? Well, you can't tell me because I can tell you. There are times when I haven't. I know that I'm not always the best disciple. Or the best at making disciples. And that's our calling, to make disciples. Ash Wednesday. Do you know what? This little booklet, by the way, started last night. Did you all have your pancakes? So you've done day one. Day two is saying sorry to someone. Is there anyone you need to say sorry to? Just think about that one going on for that one, reminds me that none of us are capable on our own of perfectly completing the two great assignments that Jesus left for us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Then there's that other one, go and make disciples. These are the assignments he's given us, and we have to hang on to them. Lent. We find ourselves, at least not enjoying Lent very much. Lent is about giving up things and about self-denial, whether we give up some type of food or bad habit, or we strive to add an extra devotional time to our lives, perhaps through the study of this little booklet. You know, this is one for a Saturday. Phone someone you love but haven't seen for a while. They're simple little things. But they're challenging to make us think very carefully about how we can make use of our time with God. Do something today that makes for fun, says another one. Yes. Like going to what no, that's not, isn't it? I'm going to say to go what Shrewsbury Town, Steve. <laughs> Lent. Lent reminds us that the Christian life is not about filling our own wants and desires. It's mine! I want that! I want to do this! I want to do the other! Kingdom living is not about meeting my needs, but about following Jesus all the way to the cross that I might have a new life. It's following him and following in his footsteps You know, it's a daily movement. daily, take up your cross and follow me. This is what Jesus said. There's a danger, you know, because this comes out in Isaiah 58, of wrongly keeping a fast or praying. What did Jesus say? Just think about this. He said this. When you pray, and when you fast, and when you give. That's what he said. He didn't say... If, but when, he assumes that we are praying, that we are fasting, and that we are giving. And it doesn't appear to be an option, not in the way in which I interpret scripture. Jesus said, this is what you should do. Just put, I put that one in, Jesse, if you can (laughs) I'm not so sure that we want to eat fast food these days (laughs) with all the food problems that are going through. God says this. I put that in at the bottom. Prayers are not felt by us. Prayers not felt by us are seldom heard by God. In other words, we have to really feel what we're praying. They began to wonder why God did not hear them when they had prayed and fasted they put on sackcloth and ashes, and they'd humble themselves. Why didn't God? They shouted out, Why aren't you listening to us? Why don't you do something? Why can't you hear our prayer? And they, they were getting really, really frustrated. They were tearing their clothes and wearing ashes and, uh, on their whole bodies. And God replied with these words. God says, in verse 3, in chapter 58, Yet on the day of your fasting, You do as you please and exploit all your workers. It goes on. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. And you cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. You see, these people who God is talking to were worshippers. They were worshipping God. They knew what they had to say. They knew how to say it. They knew how to repeat the words of, of, of the, the Psalms that they learned. They, they knew all these things. And yet, God is saying, On the day of your fasting, you do as you please. Yeah, I, I, you, you, some of, I think we're all old enough to have heard this. Um, because I can remember as a young person hearing the sound that, Oh, if um, you know you lot will go to church you know you'd go to church on a Sunday but you're just as bad as us on the rest of the week this is what God is talking about what does God want you know it just can't be just about self-denial and prayer it's got to be something more those acts will be empty if we fail to change the way in which we live If we gather together in prayer, hoping that everyone else around will hear our prayer, then we've sinned. Think on that, because it's quite powerful. Hoping that everyone else will hear our prayer. What did Jesus say? Don't be like the hypocrites. if we put ashes on our forehead and on our hands in the hope that someone else will be convicted of their sin then we have sinned because we're just letting we're doing it for our sake we're doing it for our sake not for God's sake we, I think I think I'm speaking fairly squarely about us all we long for revival. We really do. We want to see this whole village come alive for God. We really do. We long for our revival in, in, in our church, in our community, across our country, and throughout our country. Can you say that? Come up at all? Not really. I'll read it. We're often too willing to point fingers at others and expect revival to start with them. You know, there's Mrs. Bloggs walking down the street. She needs to be converted. Well, I don't know. We're all too willing to pray that God will convict someone else without first asking him to convict ourselves. Many, many years ago, I was taught this when we long for revival you've probably all heard it it's such a simple illustration we have to ask him first to convict us we do that by first of all drawing a circle around ourselves and we long for that sweeping revival as long as that means everyone else has to change and we get to stay the same but first of all that fella in the middle of the circle we've drawn has got to be changed has got to do a complete turnaround and go in a different direction then we might see revival if that one inside the circle is changed I don't know about you but I'm the only one standing in a circle at the moment I've drawn it round me it's easy to give up chocolate Do you know, I think one of the cruelest things that we've done this month is today is the first day of Lent when we're all saying, oh, we're going to give up everything and tomorrow is St Valentine's Day and we're going to give everyone chocolates. (laughs) You you want some chocolate, John? (laughs) No, it's easy to give up chocolate for Lent or coffee or television except for EastEnders, of course. It's easy to give an extra hour each week to attend a prayer group and ask God to send revival. It's easy to do that. It's even easy to put an extra pound on the collection plate and ask God to meet the deficit in our pockets. It's easy to do that. But it's hard when it means that we have to do that full fast, with that complete change, that complete turnaround, and do something different from what we've always done. It gets hard when we keep the sort of holy fast that God, through Isaiah, commanded the Israelites to keep. It's hard when you think about it. Just go back to the reading of that lesson. It's hard to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke. To set the oppressed free and break every yoke. To share your food with the hungry. To provide the poor wanderer with shelter. And to clothe the naked more than sending money to missions. It's a thought, isn't it? It's a thought. Dear, you know, one of the things which struck me, I think... It's fair to say, a few years ago, Jenny and I had the privilege of going to Hong Kong. And the thing which struck us there was the complete contrast between them what had and them that didn't. It's absolutely incredible. You know, you'd see opulence all over the place. The shops were absolutely fantastic. And then you'd turn around and there would be this beggar in the street with nothing. Almost with no clothes on. In Shrewsbury today, I'm sure, and you know it as well as I do, there are folk without food. Why are we setting up this food bank? Why are we doing these things? Because there's a great need with some people. And we, God's people, if we're doing our fast properly, we'll be able to do something. Keeping this kind of fast means that we have to get out of our comfort zone and we look for needs in our community and do everything within our power to meet those needs. Do we know what's going on in our community? Do we know the needs that are there? Then we'll truly begin this revival and a healing in our land if we do that turn when we each as individuals as a church body look for ways to be God's ambassadors in a hurting world we can be here tonight we can come back on Sunday morning we can come back on Tuesday morning and have our prayer time we can have our prayer times and doing all sorts of things But are we having a proper fast? Are we thinking, oh, this is wonderful. I think this is marvellous. What about Mrs. Bloggs? Sorry about using Mrs. Bloggs all the time, but I don't know anyone else. When When she is hurting, she is in agony because she's lost a loved one. She's hurting because she's got a cancer. Do we know these people? Do we know who's hurting? Then will his kingdom begin to break forth. And we will see the revival for which we've all been praying. You see, we can pray for revival. And believe you me, it's it's a wonderful thing to be praying for revival. and To be in a revival prayer meeting. But unless we are willing to get off our backsides and do something, you'd be surprised. Very little happens. Very little happens. Here's what happens when we keep this sort of fast. Then your light will break forth. This is the last verse in the passage that Jenny Rent. Read to us, then your light will break forth like the dawn and your healing will quickly appear. Your righteousness will go before you and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard and you'll be like a well-watered garden, a spring whose waters never fail. You'll be called a repairer of broken walls, a restorer of streets with dwellings. I long, want, desire, cry out to God that I might be an angel of grace in a broken world. I want to see needs and meet them. You know, one of our problems that we have in our village here is that. For most part, we are nice people living amongst nice people. And we don't see needs. When you go to a, a parish where there's murders, suicides, robberies taking place day in, day out. And it becomes a little bit different. You can see the needs. But here we have a little bit of difficulty. And we have to find out from God what they are. I want to see God's kingdom established in our midst, in here. And we can only do it because of God's grace. Not cheap grace, but real grace. We're empowered when we confess our dependence on him. Because we cannot do it on our own. We just cannot. Tonight, We're going to gather around the table for forgiveness and nourishment. That's important for us to realize. When we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. At the table, God meets us and gives us strength for our journey. When we receive that bread and that wine, we receive from him. When we come remembering the death and resurrection of Jesus, we open ourselves to God's grace in our lives. At the table, God meets us and gives us strength for the journey. As We know his grace in our lives. And John has already mentioned the fact that I invite you then to observe a Holy Lent. Whether you observe it by fasting and self-denial, by prayer, by daily meditation, I invite you to observe a Holy Lent, one empowered by the Spirit of God. That's the only way we'll do it. We can turn around and say, I'm going to give up chocolate. And it lasts sometimes about two or three days. Or I'm going to do something else. But if we do it in our own strength, we can't do anything. We have to do it because of what God is doing in us, enabling us. And we've got to do it in a way in which we seek out the poor, the sick, the lost, the naked, the tired, the weary, and do all that is in our power to meet their physical needs. It's important. So you might introduce them to the one who can meet your spiritual needs. This little booklet, you know, we can treat some of the things to do as banal, oh, that's nothing. But can I suggest that we take it seriously, that we really take it seriously, and each one of us, on a daily basis. You know, for instance, this this may sound silly in one sense. Try something new, for example, a different food or a new experience. Come to our house. then it says, whoa, yeah do a job that someone else normally does like washing up or taking the rubbish out and then use the washing up water to water some plants it's almost banal It's, it's almost silly in one sense and yet it's so serious because if we do some of these things suddenly we'll find our life changing and we'll be looking in a different direction Not in the one which we think we are. Oh, what's another one? No. Make a list of your friends' birthdays. And remember to send them a birthday card. My wife said, I already do that. Ask. I'm going to tell you a story. Then I'm going to tell you what it says. My son many, many years ago was in a church in, I won't say where it was, and he used to be on the desk like Ian is at the back tonight, and he was an integral part of the team that was helping worship in the church. And, um, one day, he, his girlfriend had just given him over, just thrown him out, thrown him over as it were, and he went into church, and the curate came up and said, Hi Chris, how are you doing? He said, I'm breaking up inside. Oh great! And he walked on. Let me tell you what this says here. Very simple. Ask someone how they are and take time to listen to the answer. So simple. Yet how many times do we just sort of go in a different direction? E. Use it. I know it's going to cost you three quid, but never mind. Use it. It's worth every penny. Then we may look to see revival in our midst. Our healing will quickly appear. And we will be called repairers of broken walls and restorer of streets with dwellings. Isaiah 58, I think really and truly it would do us no harm to read it every day for the next 40 days. Just to grasp hold of the meaning of it. I've, just t- I've, I've been throwing little things in. But do it, just read it through, day by day by day. And get it be part of you. So you'll know what it really means to worship because worship is not just singing and saying and speaking and listening to a preacher preach. It's allowing God to work through us so others might know the one who loves them most, our Lord Jesus. Let's just bow our heads and prayer.